Welcome to Parent Driven Development. I'm Kiwu, and today I'm here with my friend Josh. Hi, I'm Josh. I'm here with my friend Chris. Hi, I'm Chris Arcand. I'm here with my friend Allison. Hi, I'm Allison, and today we are joined by Carrie Clark. So Carrie Clark founded Uplift out of her own experience. She's got a couple of kids who make her both better at her job and her life. And before founding Uplift, Carrie worked at Google for eight years in marketing and product management. She invented their live case product and holds the patent for that and co-created a variety of other products. She's super impressive, and we're really excited to have her on today talking about Uplift and mothering and parenting in general. So welcome, Carrie. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. We would love to start by just having you tell us a little bit about yourself and Uplift. Sure. So I, like I said, I was at Google for eight years. During that time, I had two kids. My kids now are four and six. And I had this shocking thing happen to me that when each time I had a kid, I became better at my job. Like all my performance reviews showed that I made a jump to from marketing to product management, which is a tough thing to do at Google. And this was shocking to me um, because I had always heard that story that, you know, once you have kids, you're taking a step out of the workforce. This is like, you know, kind of the end of your career. And I found the exact opposite. I was just incredibly focused. I stopped caring about all these things that I used to care about that did not matter. And I, if I was gonna leave my kids, I better love my job. So it made me really be picky about the work I did. And so when I had this experience, I started just being a little curious and trying to understand like, did other people have this experience and why? And so I started interviewing women who are at the top of their field. So people who founded billion dollar companies, people in the C-suite of the Fortune 500, tons of VPs across the major tech companies. And these were all moms. And I tried to figure out what made them different than the women who are struggling. And from there, I built an entire program by working with a positive psychologist that incorporates the latest in behavioral and positive psychology to have a program that helps more moms have that type of experience and become better at their jobs or just, you know, better at, I mean, frankly, I became better at life after I had kids. And we, we help them do that. Very, very cool. Really interesting. I'm wondering, like through doing all of that research, what were and building this program, like what were some of those like what were some of those positive psychology trends or what were what were some of the things that changed or were different for mothers as opposed to just sort of in general? I mean, I think. Mothers, I mean, all everyone had experience, different experiences. I mean, that was one thing I, I found really interesting. I went in very naively thinking that there was, you know, one way to be a working mom and I was going to find these like huge trends across every single mom. And it became very, very obvious, like within about five conversations that that wasn't true, that everyone has their own way of being a working mom, that you can be successful in a million different ways. Like you can outsource everything or choose to outsource nothing. It didn't matter. And so as far as like what I saw in common across people was that as far as how they improved though, is a lot of it was about perspective. You know, all of a sudden there was this belief of like, you know, this isn't life or death, right? You had something and you had something at home that was reminding you of that. And so that perspective allowed people to up-level themselves. So that was like one thing we saw commonly. Another thing was just em empathy, you know, being able to be a better manager because you understood a lot more different perspectives because you have now seen 
life in a different way, right? And so a lot of people just felt that they were more empathetic, more caring for their teams, all of those different pieces. And then I would say probably the last piece was just ruthless efficiency. So moms, you know, they they just get a lot done because you have a very limited time. If you only have like eight, nine, 10 hours that you're in the office and you have to get done what you might have taken you like, you know, 50% more time before you had kids, all of a sudden you become really, really efficient and then really good at prioritization. And so we just saw that a lot of women, their impact drastically increased because they were able to say no to a lot of things. Amen to, to ruthless efficiency. I, I don't know if anyone else feels that way, but I definitely feel 100% that way. I'm a little curious about others' uh, response to that part as well, because I totally identify with that. And I mean, in general, even before becoming a parent, it's like a fairly core piece to, to me and maybe why I'm an engineer generally is that I really hate waste. And I just like is can't stand it. And I'm always, I don't know, even just dumb things where I'm like, oh, if I'm going to make a trip up and down the stairs, like, let me start gathering together all the things I'm going to want to bring upstairs the next trip. So it's one trip rather than five trips. You know? <laughs> like my husband just goes ahead and goes up and down the stairs five times. And I'm like, why, why would you do that? But uh, <laughs> I wanted to, I was curious if any others felt like they would ever go overboard a little bit on that we're like i'm finding myself having less patience for things that aren't optimized for that ruthless efficiency in some way it's coming up at work and at and at home sometimes too where i'm just like ugh, what is even the point of this we could be doing this so much faster we need to figure out a way to channel that better i think the you know a huge part of it is like making the most of your time as you said like ruth is officially making the most of your time we have you have so much less time than you used to that you absolutely are suddenly keyed in on every last little detail as to like how you can use your time better as you said uh you know picking things up and bringing them upstairs or whatever i've I found myself like starting to kind of like weirdly algorithmically sort when i'm cleaning so like if i if i have like some item if i have some item that needs to be brought upstairs instead of like actually like bringing it all the way upstairs i'll like set it at the bottom of the staircase and then all of a sudden as I'm cleaning the main level I'll look at the staircase and all of a sudden realize there's a giant pile of objects <laughs> waiting to be brought upstairs in one trip and it's like oh that's cool but sometimes it kind of drives my wife crazy and she has her own <laughs> sorts of things just like that that are the same when it comes to like just making every last little bit of your time count well there's a story I think it was in the that story a long time ago in the Atlantic about like whether you could have it all and the woman was talking about how on her microwave instead of putting like one zero zero start she would just put one 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 just because like it was just quicker and i remember telling my husband this being like hey look look how efficient she's being this is great and he just looked at me and he goes that is ocd like that's not a thing um and so like my husband is a good check on it where I, i do think i could be that person who sort of goes all the way to the other end where too, I'm trying to be too efficient at the um, sometimes at the like sacrificing just chillness. <laughs> and so it's I think it is a balance as well. Yeah, I wanted to ask about that. How I mean, I also uh, as a uh, 
person in technology and an engineer tend to over plan and make sure our efficiency is crazy off the scales. You should see us at an airport. It's like, you know, a military procedure. <laughs> but have you had have you had moms asking or needing help trying to balance the efficiency with like taking time out and, and enjoying the the parenthood? So that's what a lot of actually our program is about is trying to get you to take a, a step back. So just just a quick overview of how our program works so it'll put some context is we we combine coaching that's either done one-on-one or group with modules of content that you can do digitally. So you can think about our content almost like the headspace on work-life balance for working moms. And so it's like little activities you can do and then you'd have a coaching session about that. And so what we start out doing a lot of is just getting people to get off of that hamster wheel because so many times they're racing, 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 that they don't take time to just pause and say, is this the direction I want to be going? And when we did the interviews of all the women, the, the top moms, we found that they definitely took a time, took time to reflect. And so a big part of our program is how do we make you just take a break, reflect once, like one, reflect on where you want to be going and make sure you're going in the right direction. But then two, just like, like literally, I mean, it sounds cheesy, but take time to smell the flowers. Like, you know, that's what life is. Life isn't like getting from A to B. It's actually that whole journey along the way and making sure that you're enjoying it, whether it's like taking time to savor a cup of coffee or that extra cuddle or those things that like really at the end of the day or what make your day nice. And so just reminding these ultra efficient moms that sometimes that can bring a whole, like these little tiny things can bring really big joy into your life. That doesn't sound cheesy at all. I look back on our daughter when she was an infant and I, I wish I would have done that more. I think a lot of parents have that regret, like, oh, I overemphasized for efficiency and I didn't stop to think about the emotion or the memories. I, mean, I think for me personally, I had this context of when my daughter was born, basically a month after she was born, my dad died of cancer. And it was, I mean, he had cancer during my pregnancy. And so we, we knew that that was happening. But it was a really interesting situation where my dad, my dad was a great dad. I like, when I remember him, he was always there. He always picked up the phone. I still actually now being in a work environment, have no idea how he picked up the phone because he had a pretty demanding job, but he always picked it up no matter when I called. But when I was little, like three and under, he worked constantly to the point that I wouldn't even hold his hand and like, didn't like, he was almost a stranger to me. And, you know, so I'm sitting there on, you know, basically his deathbed and we're talking about all of this. And he's like, my one regret in life is just not being there when you were kids. Um, like he was there when we were kids, when we were really young kids. And then, you know, also sort of balancing that where he was planning on retiring the year that he died. And he did have like a retirement party, like, two months before he died, but it was not the same type of retirement that he wanted. So I think that context for me also just made me realize, talk about perspective, that these little times, like, you know, your career is really, really long and your kids are really young, only a very short period of that career. And so it's like, how do you make sure that you're enjoying that? Even though you're probably going to work hard, you're going to do all these things. We know we still like 
it's not about that, but it's like, how do you make sure that you, you're enjoying both? Yeah, that makes complete sense to me. Like uh, my wife and I experienced kind of a similar situation with my mother-in-law back when my son was born. And it's really kind of given us a perspective on like how fragile and life short, uh, short life is. And like thinking about the next 10 to 15 years as we just start to have kids and how we want that to go and how we want to like value our time during these really, you know, critical times in our life as a family. Yeah. I mean, I think there's, I think what makes it challenging is that there's also an aspect of like sort of being realistic about it and also being okay. So I love and adore my children. I do not love every second of parenting um <laughs> what what <laughs> totally so oh my right? god like so a i do not love every second of parenting i'm not like you know i'm not like oh yay my you know all the time and and the other aspect is i i really enjoy my job i've always enjoyed working and i've always really really enjoyed my job and found and found work also in the challenges that i get from work that are very very different than the challenges well I'm a manager now, so maybe not quite as different, but they're they're different than the challenges that I that I see at home and uh, and, the, and the things that I'm that I'm doing. And so it is also a really interesting balance to I, I will say I feel like especially as a as a woman and as a mom to be driven and focused in my career and not apologetic about that and also make very intentional boundaries and time and commitment to my family. And there's a lot of societal pressure around that. There's a lot of, there are a lot of comments that I get from a lot of people and places. And so it's, it's just a really interesting thing to, to think about and a balance of like, yeah, you know, like you want to recognize that your career is and everything and you want to, and you want to be there. It's also a balance. It's also okay if you don't like love and are obsessed with every second of parenting, et cetera. I have recently taken to describing my upcoming maternity leave as taking a pay cut to do a job I'm not very good at. <laughs> Don't enjoy it as much. <laughs> uh, I'm very grateful. It's a, it's a huge privilege to have it, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, still, ugh, newborn months. <laughs> Carrie, hey, Carrie, expanding a little bit about what Allison was saying, I wanted to ask if you've you've met moms that have either had pushback or given pushback or received pushback about the idea of having mentorship. I think being mentored and being a parent and finding work-life balance is kind of a radical concept in our culture. I think we just expect parents and especially moms to just sort of innately know what they're doing. And of course, the big secret is none of us know what we're doing. Well, I mean, so I think I'll, I'll make one quick distinction where I think there's a difference between mentorship and coaching. So mentorship would be, you know, someone who usually that you know, who's there, and a lot of it is giving advice about their experience, while coaching, which is a lot more sort of our things, is it's about asking really the right questions to help you come to the right solutions. And great mentors are great coaches, but there is a little bit of distinction there. And as far as it goes, I mean, we usually find that becoming a parent is insanely humbling and people quickly, quickly realize that they do not have everything figured out and people want as much help as they can get. And so we, we try to frame 
it for us that it's not about like, oh, you need help, you're failing, you're not like, you don't innately know how to be a parent. It's more like, in most parts of your life, you, you might have a coach, you might have a nutrition coach to help you on nutrition, you might have like, you know, a personal trainer, all of these things in different parts of your life, why would you not have one that helps you figure out something that is innately fundamental and hard to figure out as work-life balance or that intersection between work and life. And so we've found that people are very excited about it because a lot of times they just haven't gotten that support. Usually at a company, moms kind of fall in this no man's land where they're not, a lot of times they're not senior enough to get executive coaching, yet they're all managers. A lot of them are managers, at least, because it's usually at these days, moms are becoming managers at the same time they're becoming moms are very similar. And so they're coming, they're, they're dealing with it from all sides. They're trying to figure out this new role as a manager. They're trying to figure out this new role as a mom. And it's almost like where they need the help the most. And so we found that people are pretty receptive about it, especially when we frame it in the sense of like, this is to get you to your best. And I'm curious because you mentioned that there's there's individual coaching and then there's group coaching, right? Right. So I'm curious with the with groups, like what are some of the, I don't know if you can share this or not, but what are some of the sort of realizations or moments or takeaways that you that you feel like are sort of like the, I don't know, like top couple that you sort of are seeing over and over again as you have these groups go through go through coaching? It's a good question. I mean, I think one of the, the biggest things is just how much connection matters. So when we do a lot of data, we're very data driven. So we do a lot of surveys, a lot of like looking at data of our users using the actual like tools and things that we build to. And one of the questions we asked is like, what is the number one thing that hurt in your career once you had kids? And the number one, or we asked what it, what are things, and the number one one was their network because it goes back to that ruthless efficiency. It's like if you're going into the job, you're just going and working, 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 and then leaving. You've like all of a sudden like cut out that like lunch, leisurely lunch you might have had <laughs> with a friend who then, you know, you discussed different things or that coffee that was like a good, good networking coffee or all of those different pieces because you're like, I only have this amount of time. In fact, one of the other things that gets cut a lot is also just professional development too. So it's, 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 it, you know, it's like, and those two things, professional development and connection and networking are key to being successful and moving up in your career. So what we find is that it's interesting on the group coaching, just hearing other people having a similar experience to you. Like I always was questioning, like, would these, co- would, would these groups like gel? They always gel. It's, it's shocking to me. They always gel because, you know, everyone's going through that same thing. And I think sometimes when you are a mom, working mom or you're sitting there and you, you don't like you're not talking to other working moms to realize that everything you're going through, everything you're feeling, all that self-doubt you might be feeling, being hard on yourself, struggling with just making it work. They're all, everyone's feeling like that, even if they look like everything's buttoned up and that, you know, just hearing other people go through that is really, really just helpful and it makes you feel good. And then like, it's all coaching. And like, there's a reason we're called uplift in the side of like, we, we, we want to have positive interactions too. So you hear what people are going through and then you have these like little small things where you can make these little small changes that help move you forward. And so I think it's it's really that 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 connection that that we cause that's the most impactful. 
I'm, I'm curious if you've worked with moms that have had multiple kids and if you find they are able to take those, the knowledge that they've gained through coaching, if that carries through to the second child, if that's, they need like a refresher course. I'm, I'm kind of curious if, if you have any data on that. <laughs> I just, yeah, I'm just no. thinking about my own experience. I seem to have forgotten everything about my, taking care of an infant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, and so a couple of distinctions. What we focus on is really more taking care of the mom and her career. So we don't, we actually by design do not offer parenting advice because that's like really sticky situation. I don't want to have a point of view on whether you should sleep train or not, but we do find that it's not even that you've forgotten, but your entire situation has changed. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. the first time you're just like trying to figure it out. Like you are in such survival mode the second time we actually find the second time moms or third time moms, whatever, the, the ones with multiples, they're the ones that are open to the most like life changes. They're like, okay, that was a mess last time. <laughs> I really want to make it better. Like, I know it's true. It's like, they're like, I want to make it better. Like when we have like a pregnant second time mom show up, I'm like, great. We're going to make some really good changes in you. Cause like, because it's just like, they're really open to it. Right. Because they, they're like open to change and all the data shows that when you have major life changes, like having a kid, it's a great time to adopt new habits. Cause like each time like your entire life is changing. Right. And so might as well shape it to be the way you want. And so we're fine really on that second kid, you take, they take advantage of that opportunity. That's interesting. I feel like, I feel like the difference between having one and having two for me was that after my first, after about a year, I was able to sort of like regain a little bit of a sense of normalcy in terms of like, okay, I need to make time for, you know, to do this. And so, you know, my partner will take a child and do an activity or whatever. And I found that things that I was able to get back to after that initial sort of like stage of survival or chaos or whatever with one, I have found myself just sort of needing to accept that I like just may never get back to it with two. So I could also imagine that, yeah, with multiples, there's like a, there's a different baseline level of just sort of like chaos and change and split focus and et cetera, that it also impacts your career and how you see things and the changes that you that you make. And also I I do I will agree that I find myself after two much more willing to be like, you have a suggestion? Okay, sure. Shoot it like <laughs> shoot, let me hear it. I'll see if I think it'll work or not. You know, well, whereas I think that after one I was a little bit more because I was so self-conscious about figuring out parenting and figuring out what like what was best for like myself and my kids and my kid etc that I was a little bit more defensive about what it meant for me to be a parent and what those boundaries were and what I was trying to set up and after my second I'm like okay I'm confident in like I sort of know and I also know that it's a little bit like chaotic and ridiculous and you know whatever and so I'm more confident in that ability and therefore also a lot more willing to accept and just hear suggestions, comments, I don't know, whatever. I have one suggestion on um, that, I, that I, I'm not going to take credit for. It was from Sarah Lacey who wrote the incredible book, The Uterus is a feature, not a bug. I don't know if you guys have read that, but it's all about how it's all about being a mom in the tech world. Just tons of good data, really incredible book. But her tip is she's She's like uh, divorced and so, you know, has her kids, you know, half the time herself. And her tip was, um, and I was, and she was talking about how that created a lot of balance in her life because then she still got to have her own time 
So she got to do some of those things that you were just talking about. And I asked her, well, so how do you recreate that without getting divorced? You know, like, how do we, (laughs) how do we get that? And her response was like zone defense. And this is something we did not do when my kids were really, really young, but make sure that, uh, that each parent is good at taking care of both kids so that the other person gets a break. And I, we use it all the time now in my house and it has been life-changing because all of a sudden we have a little, it's almost like going back to having one child when you have a break, <laughs> when you have two child, it's a little, you know, you're, when you're, when you're the lead parent at the time, it's, you know, you're taking care of more, but you at least get full breaks. So throwing that out there as a suggestion that it's been super useful. Yeah, definitely. I definitely agree. It's like my like favorite 45 minutes of the weekend is when, when my husband will take, he'll often take both children to the supermarket <laughs> And it's just amazing. (laughs) (laughs) There's so much goodness in there. There's like both children are gone and you don't have to go to the supermarket. Like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Well, and I mean like, okay, so this is a little bit of a double edged, well, not a double edged sword, but a little bit of a double standard because my husband is the one with two children at the supermarket and they go generally around the same time every week. Like, all of their regular supermarket people know know them and he gets all of these like amazing dad like accolades because he's solo at the supermarket with two children so you know there's also he's he's also sometimes like yeah it's not that difficult like oh yeah well the whole supermarket turns out to help you sure. <laughs> yeah that's something that i've noticed a ton it's just yeah. like how i will get like lauded for for having my son out and about and i'm like why, why are you saying this? Like my, my wife does this 90% of the time, you know, because it works out better with our schedule. And I just think like, I do not deserve this sort of praise that you keep showering on me at all. Uh, okay. I'm curious. So you, you gave sort of like the, the tip or the piece of advice about zone defense. Are there other, like, I don't know, what are your like top, top two or three, like, oh, these are the things that I always want to tell either folks that are about to like become parents of more than one child or just moms in general. Do you have sort of like your, your like go-to nuggets? Well, I mean, I think this isn't really a tip, but I just think it's really important and it's really hard to believe when you're in it, but like you're doing a great job. Like, and just like being kind to yourself and realizing that this too will pass. That this is like, you know, I think you have that perspective, especially with the second child, but like just realizing that like, you know, when you're up at three in the morning and it feels like your kid is never going to sleep again, they will probably sleep and you have a whole new set of problems in a few <laughs> days. So, um, you know, just realizing that like this will change and having that perspective and like believing it, I think is huge. And so I only say that in the sense that you need to be told that like, 50 times before it even starts resonating. So I always make sure to tell that the best logistical tip is, and I think I use this as an example of like just being creative in how you delegate things. And so this one woman I interviewed said she had a nanny and she gave the nanny a list of backup babysitters. So anytime the nanny was sick or had a doctor's appointment or went on vacation or anything, she had complete approval and like was asked to just find her backup. So then my friend never had to like worry about like a nanny nanny canceling on her. And I just think that's so brilliant because it's like when you out, when you delegate, 
fully delegate, <laughs> like really think about like all the different little pieces and see how you can do it. It's my favorite tip. That's amazing. Like that would have never occurred to me as just like a whole subset of responsibilities you could then empower someone else to take on. Yeah. I mean, I had this one woman I talked to when her kids are older, obviously, when you hear this example, but she did the same thing. She was like, I, my daughter needed to be tutored. So I found her a tutor. And then my daughter, and I think her daughter was like eight, nine, like not super old, was in charge of like scheduling with the tutor and making that happen. And so it's one of those things, I, I think on that one, it's like sometimes giving people, especially your kids responsibility, more responsibility than you think they can handle. They'll rise to the occasion. I mean, this sounds crazy, but my three-year-old, so he was in Montessori, he would make my bed. It's not like an everyday thing, but like, you know, he's made my bed over a handful of times. And like, he, even when he was two, and it's like, that's crazy to me. <laughs> I would never have thought he could do that. But like, he, he did. He just like, was like, he saw me doing it. He saw it was something good. And he was like, I want to try it. So I think like kids can handle way more responsibility than we try to give them. And so like testing out things, seeing if they can do it could take things off your plate long term. That's awesome. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think, yeah, the the issue of delegating is is so is so interesting. There are also I found also I try to push myself to do it with my partner as well. Right. So we went through like a little bit of a of a rough patch where like I was doing a lot and needed him to this is like right after we had our we had our second like I was doing a lot and, and needed him to to do more. And it took us a little while to sort of work through. But we figured out a, a good split. And now we basically have two approaches. Like one is there are things that are his responsibility that I never think about, right? Like he is in charge of the fact that my son gets his haircut. <laughs> like, I don't care where they go. I don't care when they do it. I don't care how long his hair is. Like it's, it is, there is no part of that that is part of my brain space. It is 100% up to, up to my husband to like notice length of hair, figure out a time, et cetera. And there, you know, there are like a handful of things like that. And then the other way that we do it are like when something comes up, we'll say like, okay, this is a, like a, you know, those, developmental forms that like need to be filled out for the doctor before well visits like it'll be emailed and it's like okay which one of us is taking is taking the lead on this right like who's whose to-do list is it sort of being being added to and so that's the other thing and and one thing that we've both had to work on but that we've got really good at is once it is delegated to one of us it is no longer on the other person's radar. And so, and that for me, that took a little bit of like, you know, not like checking in or being like, oh, did you get it? Like, did you get a chance to finish it up? Or, you know, do you need me to like, are you or like, are you sure you're still okay with it? Do you need me to take it? Just making sure that I'm like, he said it's his, it's not mine. It's like no longer even a thing that is that is on my mind. Because just like, just like anyone else, right? If I forget to do something, like I'll figure it out. And I will like figure out how to solve the problem, you know, or make it better or whatever. And same thing, like if there's something on his radar and he drops the ball or doesn't make it happen, right? Like he'll, he'll figure it out. Like, so those are, those are two of the, two of the delegation things that, that we've worked on together as well. We're totally into that too. We, we started it even from the beginning and I specifically <laughs> described it as because I wanted to do breastfeeding when I like got to the stage of preparing the first baby registry of like oh yeah like 
cloth diapers? Is that like a thing we want to do? I don't know. And then I was like, you know what? Let's simplify this. Like, because I want to be breastfeeding, like I'm in charge of input to the baby and I'm going to put my, ask my husband to be in charge of output. Like everything that comes out on the other end is his (laughs) job to handle. And he can tell me if we care about cloth diapers or if the savings are worth it to us or whatever else equipment we would need. So just input and output. (laughs) Seems totally fair. (laughs) And, uh, it's uh, it's continued on from there. You know, it gets a little bit more complicated. But I would add to Allison's like description of the different kinds of delegation that even just like for a topic coming up and then checking in to be like, hey, do you care about this thing? Because like I think I don't care. So if we agree not to care, then we can just ruthlessly prioritize it and not have to put it on anybody's list. And I feel like that that helps a lot too because there's constantly all this stuff coming in of like, oh yeah, like you could do these extra activities or fun things or whatever else. But like, if you don't actually think that that is a fun thing to do. And in our case, you know, oftentimes we're just like, yeah, we would rather just stay home. (laughs) Or if somebody cares a lot, like I discovered either last summer or the summer before that my husband cared deeply about what type of, flotation device he would or would not allow my son to wear in the pool when Mm -hmm. we went swimming and I was like this is something that I truly do not care about at all and you seem to care a lot about it so you just you do the research and you tell me what you think is like whatever you want to get my input was like I would like some sort of flotation device device and he was like very picky about what that was and so I was like great you're in charge of that purchase (laughs) so there's also that right like when one person cares a lot about something that somebody else cares like really also doesn't care about I think this came up recently one of the maybe it was in all joy no fun that book or some another I'll, I'll, I'll uh, look it up later for the for it to be for the show notes another book I recently read and then it was like there was a section talking about unequal household management labor divisions and things like that and essentially the conclusion in that particular section was sometimes you do have to figure out what the other person cares more about than you do and <laughs> kind of like weaponize it against them in a way just like you know this is like if you really care like you know then then you 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 make those decisions you take on that extra executive load and you know happy to live with the consequences of that like that's totally fine yeah Carrie, I'm curious when you like the coaching or research that you've done, did you did you ask any data questions about sort of like delegation or or partners? I know, I know, especially for moms, they talk a lot about sort of like, you know, the double shift or the second job. And I'm curious if you did any data collecting or or research on that, especially for sort of like, you know, high power, like executive top of their field women. I mean, I would say that the most shocking thing for me about that was that it really varied. I, I really thought when I was going into this that everyone would outsource as much as possible. Yet I talked to partners at McKinsey who didn't even have a housekeeper. Um, and their whole view was like, we value hard work. So we want to have our kids work hard. So we all clean the house together. So, but I, I would say that there was a, a bit of intentionality on it. Like, 
you know, people didn't just let things go, whatever. It's like, oh, no, we are making a choice not to have a housekeeper or a choice to do this on our own. Or I've sat down very similar to what sounds like a number of you. Like I've sat down with my partner and we've divided it and had a conversation about how are we dividing all this up? And that's one of the, we actually have an activity that we do that in, in our program as well, because we just think it's so important to be able to have like a conversation about how household tasks actually affect your career because they do drastically. I mean, the data there is the average working mom spends 44 minutes more per day than her partner on like household tasks. And that's like two weeks a year. It's, you know, the difference between having those networking meetings that I talked about in the beginning. It's really, really important. But then there were some moms just on the other spectrum that like outsourced everything. They were like, what else can I outsource? They started turning to me. They're like, so this is what I'm outsourcing. What else can I outsource? And so it really, it really just very like ranges, you know, it ranges. I mean, my feeling on it is to look at your life and see what do you get joy out of? Do you get joy out of cleaning or cooking or meal planning? Don't outsource that, right? But if there are things that are just draining energy from you, most likely you can find someone for not very much money to be able to help on, on those so that you can actually use your time to either pour into your career. So, you know, it, it'll trust me, it'll pay off dividends or spend time with your kids, which is just really invaluable. Did you find that there is a I don't know if you tracked like ages of of children, because so one thing that that I both hear regularly and try to remind myself is that I have two young kids, right? They're one and a half and four. And people are constantly like, oh, like you're in the thick of it, right? And in five years, things are going to be very different, right? And you'll have you'll have different problems and different things to deal with. But I was curious also if you slice the data at all in terms of like ages of children, because I feel like stuff like cleaning or things like, right, making those those decisions about, okay, what values do we want within the within our family or how do we sort of like do X, Y, X, Y, or Z? I think that that also change, like I would, or at least my assumption is that that would change or be different as, as children got older. So I was curious if you like slice data in that way at all as well. We do slice it. We usually have the that tipping point where we slice and we see a difference being around when kids are five and under versus older than five. We There's just a new set of problems but when, before they're really school age. I haven't looked at the data around outsourcing by age, but we see tons of differences within the moms. I mean, mainly the ones are that, you know, I, I think it's just much more physically demanding when they're younger and they're just really tired. While when they're older, it's much more emotionally demanding. And we've found, and the, 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 the research shows too, that when a mom basically has a kid, there's a slight dip in productivity for a couple of years while she's like, you know, just <laughs> managing both of those. Yeah, managing both of those. But what happens is like going back to our initial conversation where when she is like, she just gets so efficient. And then all of a sudden her kids, you know, get older, they don't need her as much. And she's still so efficient, but she has a little bit more time. And with that, we end up, she ends up becoming even more productive. And so when they have actually looked at like all different types and like tons of different cuts of data, they have found that moms, especially after a few years uh, after they've had kids, are the most productive in the entire workforce. I am looking forward to that in a few years. <laughs> no, I mean, I think I think that that makes sense. Like, yeah. 
It's really interesting. I just wanted to ask one last question. Carrie, yeah. I was I was curious, what's been the most surprising thing you have learned going through all this data? I'm I this data and the the research you've done is amazing and I think has been like drastically overlooked. What what really surprised you about the data out there? That's a really good question. <laughs> I mean, I guess I shouldn't assume that there's something surprising about the data. <laughs> well, no, it, it, this isn't that surprising in some ways, because when you hear it, it sounds obvious. But when we look at the data, it's shocking, is that most moms, like what is going on at home drastically affects what's going on in the office. And all the data shows that, that like when we, we ask someone like, you know, what is hardest? What is all of this? People are twice as likely to say that the things at home are harder than whatever they're doing at work. And I only say that in the sense that like, I feel that companies focus so much on supporting people in the job without looking at what's going on at home and how that could be affecting it. And so I'll give you an example, like career coaching. Career coaching is very, very common, like executive coaching, those types of things. And it's a lot about like presence and all those different pieces. But if you're stressed out because your tasks aren't properly divided with your partner at home and you're like, not getting enough sleep and all of these things, like it doesn't matter how much work you do on presence, <laughs> like with an executive coach, you're just not going to have it. Right. And so that's why we're really into looking at that intersection of work and home. And I think that what was surprising is just how clear that was with the data. You know, I'd always thought that, but it was really clear that, you know, moms are, they're holding it together at work and they're, you know, they're kicking ass at work. That's all, all of our data shows that too but they're struggling at home in some ways. And like, if we, I, I can't even imagine how much more productive and incredible they would be if we help them under, like navigate that work-life balance a little bit more. Very cool. All right, so now we're going to move into the part of our show where we talk about genius and fail moments. So this is where we give examples of times in the last, let's say, week or two or you know, recent past where we have done something that's been an absolute genius or where something has happened that's been sort of a fail. Would anyone like to go first? I have a fail. Okay. <laughs> We have a bi level and we have two flights of stairs and I've 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 thought ahead and installed stair gates at the top of each of those flights of stairs to to try to prevent falls down. But unfortunately the other day uh, my son was making his my, my two year old he was making his way down one of those sets of stairs and like you know, it's like the one time I didn't go before him to you know to be able to be there to catch him. He I think he went halfway down and then twisted his ankle or something and then just like fell down the, the remaining two or three steps and then hit his head on the tile floor on the lower level. Aww. So I know. Aww. Yeah. He was like, you know, he, he was like, it, it, it went through like he was, he was kind of stunned and then he like burst out crying, like both because it hurt and also because this was surprising and like not the outcome that he wanted from going down the steps. But Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, those you need to put some padding at the bottom of the stairs too or something. Those things happen a lot, I have found <laughs> out so far in my own parenting experience. Yeah, I just keep trying to remind myself of like, okay, well, like his center of gravity is lower to the ground. So like the impact shouldn't be as big, but he's also like fine. He's uh, anyway, yeah. that's my fail. 
I have uh, a fail as well. A pretty bad one. It's almost so embarrassing. I don't even want to tell it. Ugh, I will anyway. Okay, so we took my two-year-old son out to see the new Lion King movie. And it is his first movie that he's ever been to in a theater. It's the first time we've ever brought him to a theater. Thought he'd do well. And he was he was great. Like he sat through it. He loved it. Everything was awesome. But about midway through the movie, we realized, oh man, you you really need a diaper change. Like your diaper's diaper's very, very wet. So we need to go change you. So I, I took him out and uh brought him to the the changing stall in the bathroom there. And I took off his diaper and realized, wow. Uh, this has literally never happened before, but I totally forgot to bring any diapers whatsoever. <laughs> oh, the best. I'm sorry. Yeah. So I just had to put the wet diaper back on and we went back out and watched the entire rest of the movie, which again, like he was fine with it. Like it was fine, but he was just an absolute, like his just was absolutely soaked the entire ride home until we finally, you know. Got him all tried off and happy, but it was a pretty big fail moment that I just could not <laughs> could not forgive myself for. I think every parent remembers where they were the day yeah. they forgot the diaper. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I felt like it was definitely like a, a rite of passage or, 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 you know, a thing to experience that was bound to happen sooner or later. So that was my fail moment. Carrie, do you have one? I kind of have a combination fail and success is that the where so my son is starting pre-k for this week today actually and you know we were all prepared for that except for the fact that we had gone off like the city calendar which is saying that he was going to start tomorrow as a full day but for some reason our school even though it's a public school made up their own calendar and so he started today as a half day for like two weeks and so somehow my husband and I both missed this. And so we had like really no plans for who was going to take care of him for the rest of the the time. So in that sense, it was a fail, but where it was a success and a win is that we have like incredible support system around us. So we, his, his mom, my, my husband's mom lives here and she's the one who actually informed us that we had it wrong. And then she's like, and I can just take care of him for all those afternoons. That and so amazing. I only just give that example of it's a village and <laughs> like takes a village and I could never do this without them. And so I just feel like I'm winning every single day because I have people who can drastically help me and step in like that and even tell me that I need help because obviously I didn't even know. <laughs> I'll go next. I think mine is also kind of a combination win and fail. Uh, so we've, uh, I've been, my, my husband and I have been generally concerned about our daughter and her like academic performance for quite a while. And the the fail part is I think we've just haven't done a lot about it or just thought like, oh, next year, maybe she'll catch up or we'll do some extra reading with her over the summer. And so something we did at the beginning of the summer was to just kind of admit to ourselves that we needed some help. And I think the so that's that's the fail part is that we didn't try to get this help earlier. The win part is we consulted our daughter on it. She's 11. So she is she definitely has thoughts about her, you know, academic performance and her level of attention. And so we had her tested and kind of preliminary diagnosed with some attention problems and we've been talking with her and you know, seeking seeking treatment, both medical, uh, sorry, both medicine and non-medicine treatment. So it's it's been a long time coming, and I I I feel really good about 
what we're doing. And I feel really, really good that she's involved. But there's still a part of me that kind of feels like, oh, I wish I wish we would have done this sooner. But at least we're doing it now. So I should I'm going to call that a win. Nice. I will close this out. I have a fail. So my my son, when he was little, he there were like a couple of cabinets that he sort of stuck to. And we didn't so we didn't really have to childproof a whole ton of cabinets. Um, we had a couple of gates, but like he didn't there were just a couple of go to cabinets for him. So that stuff was all filled with child safe things. My daughter is just even more exploratory and gets into everything. And so we have this little sort of entry cabinet that's built into the wall by our front door. And I've it's one of those places that I've been my husband has mentioned wanting to put a child's like child lock or something on it. And I've been hesitant to do so because it's like permanent to the house and they're really nice and built in. And so I feel like if I stick something sticky on there, it's just like, you know, in 10 years, I'm going to be annoyed. Anyway, so the other night we were finishing dinner and it was my son's first day of pre-K. So we were having a, a good conversation with him about how his day was, etc. My daughter was very, very, very quiet. And so after... Not Uh fully realizing how many minutes she had been quiet for. (laughs) I I walk into into the living room and she is by these cabinets. And we have this very, very strong smelling natural. Actually, this may have what. This may have been what got my attention. I may have smelled it. This very strong smelling essential oil shoe deodorizing spray for that we usually use for my son's Keens. And like you all know how stinky those like those Keens get at the end of a summer with little kids. So and she just has she's gotten into it and she's just sitting there. She's only, she's like just in a t-shirt and her diaper and she's just sitting quietly on the floor, rubbing this oil into her. It's like on the floor and she's just sitting there rubbing it into her legs. <laughs> just like, <laughs> ah, <laughs> so it's like, I like walk over. Cause the, and my immediate thought was, I don't want her to touch anything, right? Like, I don't want her to get oil on, like, the couch or on the rug or on anything. So I, like, walk over and I call my husband over. And my husband, like, he's the one of us that does all the cleaning. So he sort of has, like, a little bit of a three-second meltdown. And I'm like, can you just get a towel? She's going up to bed in five minutes anyway. Just get a towel. We're going to wrap her in a towel. We will keep her wrapped in the towel until we put her in the bathtub. So, I mean, ultimately it was fine. Our house will now smell like eucalyptus for an uncertain amount of time, but it was definitely a fail in terms of all the things. Thank you so much for listening to the Parent Driven Development Podcast. We would love to hear from you. If you have questions that you would like us to chat about on air, please email us at panel at parentdrivendevelopment.com or find us on Twitter at, at parentdrivendev. And if you like what you hear, please support us on Patreon. We're patreon.com slash parentdrivendev or rate us on iTunes. And Carrie, for our listeners, if folks want to find out more information about you or about Uplift, where can they find you? Um, so you can find Uplift Uplift at upliftparents with an S.com. And if you go on there, a little 
thing will pop up and you can sign up for our newsletter. And our newsletter is just a 60 second email every single day with lots of tips on how to make life as a working mom easier. Things like the the one I talked about, about, you know, out delegating, finding your nanny backup. And we'd love to be in touch. All right. Thanks so much. 